Good evening, Watermark. Re-engage. How's everybody doing? Good. Hi, we're Charles and Karen Bundren from Frisco, Texas. They make me read this, you know, um, so I have to stay on track. So, uh, otherwise, we'll be here an hour, and you don't want to do that. So, <clears throat> uh, I met Karen when she answered my newspaper ad. Uh, this last May, we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. Wow, I had black hair back then, huh? Uh, we've been re-engaged leaders for five years and members of Watermark Community Church for eight years. We have four young adult children, three daughters and one son, who are all here members at Watermark and are actively involved in the young adult ministry here. They went to school and they all came back. It's wonderful. It was a long and frustrating journey to get where we are today, 30 years later. One of our biggest fights... One of our first fights was over plastic buttons for the men's tuxedos at our wedding. It almost ended before it began. I wanted to save $5 on each tux with plastic buttons. But Karen won that argument, and we had cloth buttons. Because cloth buttons instead of plastic buttons are more important. In hindsight, that should have been a, a real clue to a serious conflict that was going to come later in our marriage. I grew up as the oldest of four children. My parents divorced when I was 10 years old. After the divorce, my father abandoned the family, and we rarely saw him, although he's now living with us uh, years later. I accepted Christ at an early age one Sunday morning in church. I grew up in a very legalistic church environment. We were at church every Sunday and every Wednesday night, but never with my father. My father was never around, even during the 10 years that he and my mother were married before he abandoned us. My mother was a very strong-willed woman. My father was very passive and not a spiritual leader in our home. In fact, he wasn't a leader at all. My grandfather was my spiritual leader, my mom's dad. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather as a young boy growing up. He led more by example than by his words although we had many, many great life conversations and spiritual conversations over the years before he, before he passed away. I grew up in Dallas in a family with a long legacy of God-fearing parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. My two brothers and I were taught the Bible, went to a conservative Bible church, and learned to love God at an early age. One afternoon, um, after vacation Bible school, around the age of five, my grandmother prayed with me to receive Jesus as my Savior. I remember it like it was yesterday. Matthew 19, 1 says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Just know that your kids are never too young to start sharing Jesus with and teaching them uh, of his goodness and grace. As a, young, as a young boy, I loved sports, especially football, uh, but I quickly figured out that I was not going to excel because I was too slow and too small. Uh, so I determined that the only way for me to change my circumstances was through education. Uh, I was accepted at Texas Tech University, but I found college to be a very difficult environment during my freshman year. I didn't make it through my freshman year and had to come home. I attended a local community college for the next two semesters, and then I returned to Texas Tech in the spring of my sophomore year with a desire to be more involved with the church and with my Christian faith. During the last two years that I was at Tech, I grew spiritually just 
unbelievably because of the community I developed with many of the friends that I was with there. I eventually graduated from Texas Tech and was accepted to the School of Law there in Lubbock. During law school, I continued to grow spiritually with the same group of core friends and community. While in law school, I became a very outspoken uh, concerning my Christian faith and a lot of challenges that we were seeing in the legal environment at that time. My parents did not resolve conflict well. The only time we knew that there would be peace at home was when my dad was traveling. This environment caused me to shrink back and run from conflict. From elementary school through high school, we spent weekends at our farm in East Texas. My dad, with his military background, used that opportunity to instill us uh, in us a hard work ethic. This would later lead to struggles with being performance-driven and seeking approval of men. Throughout my dating experiences, I took pride, which is never a good thing, in not crossing the line. However, I dated in a way that did not honor the Lord. I found myself looking for affirmation through boyfriends rather than to look to the Lord for my security and self-worth. This stemmed from past hurts as a young kid. I'm so thankful for our Regen ministry, our 12-step recovery program here at Watermark, where this came to the surface and through God's grace was able to forgive those who caused the hurt. This hurts from, um, the hurts from childhood um, played a part in the way I had dated and led to issues in our marriage, specifically in my lack of desire for physical intimacy. It was so sweet to learn through reengage that physical intimacy is actually a form of worship and it pleases the Lord. After Karen answered my newspaper ad for a lease of a condominium, uh, y'all were wondering, weren't you? <laughs> Except those of you who heard the story before, right? I had the opportunity to meet her family on three different showings. Um, I was very attracted to her and her family. Uh, I never thought that I would meet my wife uh, through a newspaper ad. And it was only by the grace of God that we ever met at all. There's a long story that we don't have time to go into. After meeting Karen and her family, I saw in Karen a godly woman who feared the Lord. Proverbs 31, 30 through 31 says, A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all her hands have done, and that her works bring her praise at the city gate. And they definitely do with Karen. It didn't take me long to realize Karen was a Proverbs 31 woman. She had compassion and love for people, and she was a whole lot of fun, which I was not. Remember, I was a lawyer, so. <laughs> I wasn't fun to be around. Um, I'm still not, right? <laughs> I pursued Karen. Uh, yeah, okay. Thank you very much. It's getting I appreciate way better. <laughs> Y'all didn't know me back then, so. I pursued Karen after I collected my lease commission for the condo I had leased for a friend, uh, but she wasn't interested. I continued to pursue her uh, despite repeated rejection and was finally able to define the relationship. That's for all the young adults out here. DTRs, you know? My kids know what that is. You guys, are, you guys are laughing. Y'all know what it is. Uh, we called it something else, but I won't get into that. After an ice cream outing at Brahms. So that was, that was the DTR. About a year later, I proposed, and we were married nine months later. Our premarital counseling consisted of a weekend away with the pastor and his wife. We did not see the elephant in the room and the impending conflicts that we would inevitably have in our marriage. Charles and I married after a rocky dating period. While dating, I was very selfish with my time. I was living for Karen and her schedule and honestly not ready to give up my freedom. When Charles asked me to marry him, um, I cried. 
<laughs> I knew um, it was not my desire at the time to give it up, the freedom, but I knew it was God's will for me. And there was no doubt, yet I knew that that meant dying to self and uh, being obedient to the Lord. And I'm so thankful I did. Uh, we married, and 17 months later, had our first daughter, Brittany. 15 months after Brittany, we had our second daughter, Blair. And two years later, our twins, Jennifer and John, arrived. There we are. That's a handful right there. Yeah. I don't remember much about this time. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> With four babies, three and under, it was a successful day. If they all got a bath, hair brushed, clothes on, fed, and back in the bed with teeth brushed by 8 or 8.30. Uh, that time was so stressful for our marriage. Charles was working 12 to 14 hours a day, so the kids and I rarely saw him. We had made some pretty dumb financial decisions, which brought on extra burdens we hardly could bear. I became the dripping faucet when he was home. I hadn't planned to have four babies so soon, and then to parent them without uh, a husband around. A few months after Brittany was born, my granddad died, and 10 months after that, my father passed away as well. I began to resent the Lord and any man that was close to me. I felt like they were all abandoning me. Proverbs 3.26 says, The Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. He penetrated my hard heart and softened it, which made me realize that he is the only father I needed. I was so focused on my situation that I didn't realize the pressure Charles had at the office and at home. I look back now and I'm really surprised that he wanted to come home at all. I wasn't exactly the pleasant, uh, pleasant person to be around. My heart had grown angry and bitter towards him. I started to not only dislike him, I really developed a hatred in my heart because he was never there to seem like to help with kids. or So I just felt lonely. The four or five hours he was home, all we did was argue about spending money. Remember, I hated conflict, so the arguing seemed to usually go one direction, and that felt like at me. I would mentally check out, shut down, and run for safety. Very quickly into marriage, I realized that we were very, very different in that we had come from very different families of origin. Uh, quickly, we began to have conflict over finances and money. And when the economy downturned and the law firm that I was working for um, <clears throat> started to experience a contraction in the legal services market, the lack of money became a very big area of conflict for us. Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. We had become slaves. All I could do was think about how to work harder in order to make more money, but that took time away from Karen and the kids. Our credit card debt was completely out of control. At one point, we owed over $120,000 in credit card debt. We were struggling just to make the minimum payments. The law firm business did not improve and I was yoked to the performance of a lot of other people over whom I had no control. Eventually, the home that we built while we were engaged was foreclosed on, and the debt and the money problems just continued. This created tremendous stress in our marriage and on our relationship. It was hard for us to have calm conversations and have any kind of intimacy because of the financial stress that we were facing. I was not a good money manager at that time. I did not plan appropriately and was not sensitive enough to Karen and her needs. At this point, I finally decided to leave the big law firm and to open my own practice. 
As that turned out, it was the best decision that we could have made to help our marriage and our family and one that Karen encouraged me to do for years before I made the decision. It wasn't until a two and a half week trip to India in 1994, uh, when the kids were four, three, and a year and a half, did I get away from our situation long enough to see where I was causing a lot of the problem. During this trip to India with our pastor and his wife, I sought counseling. I came home and prayed um, God would change my hard heart. I can remember crying out to God in the shower to forgive me and to help me start liking Charles again. I then made a choice to respect him, pray for him, begin to love him, and to choose to serve him. I did this expecting nothing in return from him. It was the decision to lay down my hurts and my anger and trust God to change me. I knew Romans fourteen twelve said, so then each of you will give an account of himself. I stopped trying to make him what I wanted him to be and began trying to be who God called me to be. We call this our pre-India and post-India days. At this point, I began to help with all the finances. As I took on the accounting for his law firm and our household, my eyes were open to the reason for such stress. I'm so thankful he led me into that world. Karen's trip to India was definitely a turning point in our marriage. I was trying to change her, and she was trying to change me. That didn't work too well. We both began to realize that we cannot change the other person. Only God can change your spouse. And if you try, you'll be frustrated. And we were both frustrated from trying to change each other. When Karen returned from her trip, we began to work through some of the conflict issues that had arisen primarily related to financial issues. By that time, I had left the big law firm and I could spend more time with the family and with Karen. I had more control over my hours that I worked and the income that I was able to achieve. This helped to relieve some of the financial stress and we began to communicate better. For years, we had lived parallel lives. With all our kids involved in multiple sports, we had very, line, very little time for each other. It wasn't until they were all four in college that we found ourselves as empty nesters. All four in college at the same time. <laughs> we, came, we came to re-engage and realized how out of whack our priorities had been. The skills we'd learned uh, for our marriage in helping uh, communicate effectively, knowing how to recognize and deal with unmet expectation, and practicing forgiveness has strengthened and blessed our marriage. And to God be the glory. Reengaged helped us to focus on our marriage and to learn the basic tools that were necessary to make our marriage successful. We also started to lead small groups in Reengage, and in the process of doing that, we got the opportunity to continually use the Reengage materials and steps to continue to build our marriage relationship. Ephesians 5:25 says, "Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water." to the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. I learned that I have to continually learn how to love Karen more and more each day, just as Christ loved the church. And I needed to stop trying to change Karen and to control Karen, which is what I was doing. Uh, today we are debt free except for a partial mortgage on our home. So we do not have the financial stress that we had in the past. And we're able to manage our time much more efficiently. 
My relationship with my dad has been restored, and he lives in our home with us. We are honored to care for him as he ages. Karen and I communicate better, although not perfectly, and we still have our times of conflict. A little bit yesterday. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> but we've learned how to resolve conflict without escalating on my part primarily. You can probably tell. I'm easy. It's easy for me. I do it every day. Um, as it did in the past. We have more time and excitement about studying God's Word together. We are actively involved in the Watermark Community Group, which isn't here tonight, but was the last time we did this. <laughs> but we didn't tell them about it. So some of them are like, yeah, okay, all right. We got, we got some back there, okay. Uh, and we have great relationships within that community group. We enjoy serving together and re-engage, and we enjoy praying together for our family, our re-engaged small, small group couples, and our country and the ministry of Watermark Community Church. So our family looks a little different today. We have added two awesome son-in-laws. All six of the kids are faithfully um, involved in community groups, serving here at Watermark. That was from April, and so uh, it's super fun as the family grows. Uh, we see God's faithfulness in taking two broken people and using challenging times to teach them that he is the only one we can look to for satisfaction and complete dependence. He has been faithful in every situation. He is the one who brings peace in our lives. In Isaiah 26, 3, Isaiah claims of the Lord, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. We have found to this to be absolutely true. We're so thankful for our poor kids who love and serve the Lord, for a family who has stuck beside us through thick and thin, and for our community group that holds us accountable. We want to encourage you to get honest before the Lord. What are you doing that is bringing disharmony to your marriage? God calls us to live in unity of the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Paul says, I, ther I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I can tell you it's way better when we die to self and live for him. When we were going through our conflicts and suffering from our bad financial decisions, it was hard to see where it would all end up. We relied upon God, close friends, and family to help us through the difficult times. I needed to learn to stay in my circle, to work on me and my relationship with God, and I needed to stop trying to control Karen and stay out of her circle. Ask yourself this question. How is what you're doing working? Are you getting the results you desire from your spouse? If you're not getting the results and you get the same results over and over again, I recommend you change what you're doing. Why don't you stay in your circle? There are three things that I focus on while I'm in my circle. To know God, to fear God, and to follow his commands. When I do these three things, my circle gets better. And as my circle gets better, my marriage with Karen gets much better. When I don't do these three things, my circle gets really ugly. And as a result, my relationship with Karen deteriorates. No matter what your struggle might be, it's not over because nothing is impossible with God if you simply focus on your circle, work on you, work on your relationship with God by daily devoting to studying his word and prayer. Fearing God and fellowshipping with people in the community environment will improve and expedite your ability to more easily relate with your spouse. 
Your marriage will start to become everything you envisioned. It could be and that God intended when he first created marriage. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.